We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRADIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Hey, thanks so much, everybody. Welcome into the latest episode of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. I am, of course, uh, Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the FFPC, and the Better Sports Network's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. I uh, want to remind everybody, uh, in case you have not done it, uh, to uh, go join the FFPC playoff, uh, divisional playoff challenge, which is going on right now, as well as the football guys uh, playoff challenge too. Um, it's basically the same concept as um, the, the uh, world famous FFPC playoff challenge that you're probably in right now. Um, only eight players on this lineup instead of 12. So you're playing a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, tight end, two flexes, and uh, you can win a hundred thousand dollars. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to join the football guys one, which is already almost 30% full, um, that is a $25,000 grand prize. You're looking at a prize pool of 260 grand for the FFPC playoff challenge and a prize pool of just 122,000 at a $35 entry fee for the football guys playoff challenge too. You can register for those at myffpc.com. And while you're there, check out all the great uh, reduced prices that we have on a lot of dynasty orphans uh, that you can take advantage of right now. I know a lot of times we post them on there and they get scooped up right away, but there are some good ones out there. Some with lowered prices now as well. That is all at myffpc.com. Now I want to bring in my guest tonight. You know him as a champion of both the FFPC main event, league champion of the FFPC main event, the football guys players championship, but probably most famously, uh, winning the 2015-2016 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge where he took home uh, $100,000 along with Harshal Shep, and he won 
uh, or took fifth place in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge last year. He's out again this year trying to win that half-million-dollar grand prize. You follow him on Twitter at trophies underscore TV. Welcome in, Tejas Bodewala. Tejas, what is up, man? How are you? What's up, Balky? How you doing? I can't complain. I can't complain. I'm, 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 uh, I'm loving that um, we're in the midst of, of the NFL playoffs, and uh, now we're getting basically the best weekend of NFL football because ostensibly we have the top eight teams uh, playing, and uh, it just makes fantasy that much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I'm loving the beard, man. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I've shaved since August. Like, no, I take that back. I think I think I shaved it off in September when I was out in Vegas um, for the FFPC live events, and I don't think I've shaved since I've gotten back. So that's that's where we're at on the beard right now. <laughs> I wish I could do the same, man. Wish I could rock that same exact beard. <laughs> well, you know, it's like sort of a pre like I'm in Northeast Wisconsin where it's actually not that cold right now. I know it's the middle of January, but we've been having a pretty mild winter. But this man on your face when you're walking outside, you never get cold. It's fantastic. Ke- keeps me warm for sure. Unbelievable. I was out in uh, New York for Christmas. My niece and nephew's birthday is on the 26th, the day after Christmas. And it was, I mean, it was so cold that the fountains <laughs> were like literally freezing. My face was like bright red, pink, just frozen. And I was like, I got to get back inside at some point. But yeah, the beard would have been nice at that point. The but, beard helps. Beard does help. It does help. <laughs> Um, I know you have uh, you have several teams in the world famous FFPC playoff challenge that uh, had its rosters locked for the duration of the postseason when that Niners Seahawks game kicked off on Saturday. Have you looked at the? I mean, like, how do you sort of assess your teams um, a- after just one week of play? You know, you're getting double points in the Super Bowl, obviously as well. But have you looked at your teams? How are you assessing sort of where you're at right now? How do you feel about those rosters? You know, it's the first time Herschel and I kind of looked at and to try to see if we had any Debo and DK Metcalf combos. Um, so we were happy to see that we had two of them, one with Josh Allen as a quarterback and the other with Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Um, so kind of some contrarian picks on that side as well. I think we had Chris Godwin on one of those squads with Jalen Hurts. Uh, he had a pretty good game. I was hoping for a little bit more last night than 18 and a half points, but he did well, and I think this is the first time we kind of looked because we were like, man, if we have DK and Debo on the same team, then it's highly unlikely that somebody's going to be able to kind of, you know, um, kind of make the same amount of points uh, that that Debo and DK had combined on the flex position. So, I, I think as we look ahead to to the divisional challenge, which will go off this weekend. Um, I, I was and shout out to Darren Armani, fantasymojo.com at fantasymojo on Twitter, who compiles all this data uh, for the FFPC. I was very interested to look at the ownership numbers for a lot of the teams that played this past week and using that data to sort of, you know, build divisional playoff lineups this week where you only have the eight team or the eight man roster with essentially one player per team. Um, we'll start off with, I, I want to kind of handle these teams. We'll go kind of in order, basically. Travis Etienne, we'll start with the Jaguars. Travis Etienne, 32% ownership um, in, in the playoff challenge. Evan Ingram is only at 11%. And a lot of the conversations I've had with players uh, leading up to the playoff challenge was um, uh, those were the two players. I didn't really hear a whole lot about Christian Kirk or the Jags, maybe a little bit of the Jags defense, but it was basically those were the two. Does does knowing that, that Etienne was essentially owned in triple the amount of teams that Engram was, does that make you want to pick Engram as your Jaguar for the divisional round? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, you know, when you look at Kansas City's defense and you see they're kind of middle of the pack uh, against tight end, 
uh, you kind of get the understanding that maybe it's going to be a little bit more slanted ETN's way uh, in terms of favorable uh, matchups and then points uh, per production as well. Um, you got to project that the Jags will probably be one and done. Um, you know, Andy Reid obviously knows Doug Peterson really well. And then Patrick Mahomes did have the opportunity to light that defense up earlier in the season for 331 yards and about three touchdowns. So I would lean more towards ETN um, on this side. I do think Ingram has been phenomenal this season. It's, it's great to see him finally bounce back. Uh, we had so many hopes for him as a giant. Um, drafting him in so many dynasty leagues, trading for him, thinking, oh, my God, this is the year. And then, you know, he gets a little ankle injury, he gets a shin injury, he gets a back or neck, and he's out for the season, basically. Um, so great to see what he's been able to do. And I like what Troy Aikman said that, you know, Evan Ingram's essentially a, a wide receiver. Uh, and Doug Peterson mentioned that, you know, we kind of keep that label of a tight end on him so we don't have to pay him wide receiver money. But <laughs> and they have a great team around them. Um, it's just a matter of Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to kind of control those turnovers or not against Kansas City. Can't get away with four turnovers against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Um, and, and I think that's something that's got to be cleaned up, obviously, as well. You know, just as long as we're talking Jags, what, what do you do with a guy like Engram next year? You know, I, I've been saying that that most of the season uh, that his new nickname should be the thief because yeah. somebody is going to overpay him so much money because of what he did this year. Because a lot of the stuff, as you just mentioned, a lot of the stuff that, that has gone wrong for him and over the course of his career, it kind of all went right for him this year. Yeah, He's going to be a free agent, you know, and, and a, a, an athletic guy like that who can catch the ball, man, there's going to be a lot of teams out there that could use a player like him. How do you handle him in, in, in redraft leagues next year? Because, I guess it kind of depends where he goes in, in the draft, but I feel like somebody else is going to take him before I'd be comfortable taking him. Yeah, he's definitely going to be overdrafted. I mean, he's kind of earned that uh, this season and then in the postseason as well. I mean, just an awesome game uh, the other night against Los Angeles. But, I mean, let's see what happens and where he ends up. If it's a right situation and you want to project him to be healthy for a second straight season, then, yeah, I guess you can pay up and overdraft him. Just depends if he's going to be your guy. Um, you know, tight end is a very thin position. Um, so if Ingram is entering that stage of his career where he's going to stay healthy for a multitude of seasons, then maybe he is worth reaching for a little bit. Um, I know tight ends tend to peak a little bit later in their career. So maybe I'll have a nice little two, three year run here. The third most owned player in the FFPC playoff challenge was, uh, Travis Kelsey. 74% is where he came in. That's, um, third only to Christian McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson. Knowing uh, that that he is probably going to be heavily owned in this contest as well, is there a pivot for you and Harshal? I mean, is this, a, is this, a, is this a, a team that you can afford to move off of Kelsey and go with McKinnon or Mahomes or, or anybody like that? Um, is there a pivot for you or are you pretty much stuck on Kelsey for this? Yeah, I think you mentioned it. I think the only other play you could potentially look at here is Mahomes if you're not utilizing Kelsey. Um, you have to think in, in the divisional round specifically, I mean, there's two games left to the Super Bowl. And to have Patrick Mahomes and potentially playing in that game and getting double points would just be huge for you, as well as Kelsey. Obviously, the one and a half points pre-PR for tight end uh, doubled to three points in the Super Bowl. It's just tremendous. Um, so that opportunity is really rare. I can't see Herschel or I um, deviating away from Kelsey uh, or Mahomes for McKinnon. McKinnon has kind of gotten lucky with those one-yard catches, you know, by the goal line for touchdowns. It's really been uh, kind of increasing his points per game. 
Um, but definitely Kelsey with the tight end premium and then Mahomes potentially in the divisional round on a few teams as well. And, but that you stay away from all other Chiefs, right? Because it's got to be Kelsey or Mahomes. Stay away from Pacheco, um, yeah. from Kadarius Tony, Juju Smith-Schuster, whoever it might be. You got you to gotta pound the table with Kelsey. The greatest thing about this contest and why I love it so much is it just immerses you into the, into the <laughs> NFL playoffs. Like every play matters. And it's, you know, I got a funny story coming up for the Bengals. Um, okay. You know, like I, I absolutely love this contest format. And, you know, the NFL kind of had a down year. Um, the product yeah. was all over the place. I don't know if you can contribute that towards, you know, them not having a longer preseason, people really not practicing, kind of that lenient practice schedule. But if it wasn't for fantasy football, I mean, the NFL would have lost a lot of popularity this year, that's for sure. So I love the contest. I love being immersed into every single play. To watch Kelsey catch a pass from Mahomes, to rack up those one and a half points and then whatever the yards or touchdowns would be, uh, really means a lot. So definitely will be leaning towards kind of those big names and kind of those teams that you project to go to the Super Bowl. So KC is definitely one of them in the divisional round that I'm looking forward to potentially matching up against my Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. Is that is that the prediction? Chiefs-Eagles from you? I think it's going to be Bills-Eagles. I think Josh Allen needs to tighten up a few things here. He's had way too many turnovers. He's kind of gone back in time to playing like a rookie, specifically in the red zone, uh, where I've never seen him throw picks and turn the ball over at that high of a rate. Obviously, he had some record-breaking uh, statistics where he never turned the ball over in the red zone. This year, he's really gone backwards and regressed. Could be some of his elbow issues, but to me, it's just his decision-making uh, more so than anything. So. I do think the Bills are going to get past the Chiefs. Um, they got a huge test coming up with the Bengals, but the Bengals have lost so many of their offensive linemen. I can't see how the Bills' pass rush uh, won't get home against Joe Burrow. But then again, Burrow was sacked nine times in the AFC Championship game last year, and he somehow survived that to get to the Super Bowl. So should be interesting. This should really be the Super Bowl uh, the AFC Championship matchup, Buffalo and Cincinnati. And I'm surprised it's not the Sunday night game. I'm surprised they used San Fran and Dallas for that slot, but – uh, I can't wait for that game. Yeah, I, I, I am. I think the the reason. Well, I'm just guessing as to why they did that. I would think that they don't want Dallas playing on a Monday night and then a Saturday. Um, they they could have moved it, I guess, to Sunday afternoon. That probably would have been a, a possibility. I'm I'm just excited that we get to see Buffalo Cincinnati, and as as exciting as it would be. As, as as exciting as it was last year, I don't think it would live up to what we saw last year. But a a, a Bills Chiefs AFC Championship would be just Chef's kiss, unbelievable. I think the NFL has got to be hoping for that. Yeah, I mean, totally. That's gonna be the highest rated game of the year. Uh, obviously, Gabe Davis went ham last year. What do you have? Eight mm -hmm. for two on one and four touchdowns. I don't think that'll ever be replicated in the fantasy playoffs by a receiver again. I mean, who's gonna put up that many points? So. But, yeah, I, I can't wait to see that game. I hope Josh Allen's dialed in. I hope he can get past the Bengals, play Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game, and finally beat him to get to the Super Bowl. That'd be tremendous. Um, the the nightcap on Saturday night, uh, Giants and Eagles. Uh, did you see enough from Isaiah Hodgins in that Vikings game to to choose him as, or potentially suggest him as a contrarian Giant? Um, you know, you look at – obviously a lot of people are going to have Saquon Barkley. But outside of that, I don't know if there's a real dominant Giant. Um, Farrell Elliott, my co-host on the HSFF hour, he suggested Isaiah Hodgins on Friday night. And now I'm wondering if he's going to be a little bit more higher owned in this competition because of what he did against Minnesota. Yeah. You know, we have to take that with a grain of salt. 
I think when you look at the New York Giants and what they were able to do against a defense that's giving up 400 plus yards per game, uh, it's kind of all roses, right? It's just a, a <laughs> right. dream situation. It's an ideal situation for Daniel Jones to drop back, not have that much of a pass rush when he was feeling it. Obviously, he flushed, pocket was getting flushed. He rolled out, scrambled, um, did an incredible job running and converting first downs. But, you know, I mean, you're not you're not playing Patrick Peterson and whoever else the Minnesota Vikings have back there in their secondary. You're playing against Darius Slay and All Pro uh, Bradbury this coming mm-hmm. weekend against Philadelphia in Philadelphia, a division rival who has just a tremendous pass rush, incredibly well coached team, a lot to prove. This is going to be night and day. So I am staying as far away from Hodgins as possible. I mean, Bradbury versus Hodgins. And Bradbury's got a bad taste in his mouth anyway because the Giants let him go. They didn't believe in him. Uh, he could have really helped that secondary. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Barkley um, in the flex, and that's as far as I'll go with the New York Giants. Um, I think the Eagles are readily going to handle that team uh, pretty easily. I'm, I'm projecting maybe, you know, something around 30 to 13. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. I'll be at that uh- game. <laughs> You're gonna be there. That's all. Yeah, that's that's the root on my squad and Jalen Hurts. So I'm a huge Hurts fan. But um, yeah. No, I think the Giants don't really have a shot in that game. Well, so now you mentioned Hurts. Let's talk about your Eagles here. I, I looked yeah. at the the ownership percentages for the Eagles, and in fewer than 15 percent uh, of the playoff challenge lineups, uh, Jalen Hurts was owned. That to me, when you talk about again double points in the Super Bowl, um, you have a quarterback on the number one seed, and yet he's owned in less than 15% of of those rosters. Does that strike you as a pretty low number for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I mean, that's that's shocking, to be honest with you. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was clearly the front runner for MVP before he had that SC joint sprain in Chicago. Um, Had a monster game there, rushing the ball with the three touchdowns. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of revisionist history with Jalen um kind of in, in the last three weeks what he's been able to do and not do obviously he hasn't been able to be on the field that much uh with Gardner Minshew taking over for him with the Eagles playing it safe uh and then last time when we did see Jalen Hurts uh it was against the New York Giants it was a very vanilla game plan they want to give away too much because they were probably projecting that they'll see the Giants down the line uh in the playoffs um and obviously they didn't want to put Hurts in harm's way so Hertz is dynamic. Uh, at one point, he was the number one fantasy quarterback in the league again this season. Last year, he was the number one quarterback for a couple of weeks. This year, he was the number one quarterback for a larger stretch. Uh, I thoroughly believe in him and, and having him in a potential Super Bowl where he's running and throwing, especially with the weapons around him and that awesome offensive line. And, you know, he's not a system guy, which a lot of um, mainstream media members would like to say, like a Chris Sims or someone like that. But he is the system. And he's just an awesome player. I hope he's healthy enough to really bomb the ball uh, down the field because I do project that we will be playing San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. And that's exactly how you can attack San Fran is over the top because their corners aren't that great. But, yeah, I think Hurts should be somewhere in that, you know, in the divisional round, especially with the divisional round um, playoff championship. I think he should be somewhere around 40 to 50 percent. I mean, I know you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith. You have Dallas Goddard, who I will say is my sneaky pick mm. uh, for this entire contest. Uh, I saw you know, kind of Dallas had some holes in their secondary. If Brady would have made some better throws to Otten or Bright, there could have been some big plays over the middle of the field to the tight end. But Brady just didn't have time and he didn't have the arm strength, it seemed. Um, so 
I am thinking that Dallas Goddard's going to have a really breakout uh, fantasy contest in the divisional round. So he is my my one player. I know I'm jumping ahead, but I kind of wanted to mention that. So yeah, there's a lot of players you could roll with on the Eagles, but Hurst is just a points machine. And to be able to have the quarterback in the Super Bowl is everything. So if the Eagles are going to get to the Super Bowl, you definitely want to roll with Hurts. You know, what's interesting is is I was I formulated a couple of sample lineups for the playoff challenge for two of my shows this past week. And the more I looked at that contest, the more I was like, man, there's a lot of really good tight ends to choose from here. Yeah. And then I looked at what some of these tight ends did in on wildcard weekend. I mean, Schultz was good. Goddard, uh, not Goddard. Uh, Schultz was good. You yeah. had uh, Evan Engram was good. Kittle, um, TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson uh, went off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you had all these guys that had really, really good game. Even Mark Andrews, uh, maybe not up to his standards, but it's still good. And now I'm kind of thinking like, man, you get to the, the divisional round here. You still have Goddard. You got Kelsey. You got Kit. There's still Engram. You got all these tight ends. I wonder how many teams are going to be rolling out um, three tight end lineups where you have three tight ends lines. going. Yeah, I love those lineups. Shout out to Crack Rock who always says crank the purple. Crank the purple. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm definitely going to be doing that uh, for multiple teams in this, in this divisional round as well. Um, yeah. Kelsey, Goddard. I mean, there's a whole list of people you want to try to get in here. I'm not sure about Kittle. Uh, we'll see what you know Purdy's able to do uh, against Dallas defense and a much better pass rush than he's faced for the past, what, 10 weeks where he's got a chance to play Seattle three times, the worst defense in the league. And he's beat so many meaningless teams. It's almost mm -hmm. like, yeah, the hype and the confidence and the swag is there. But what's going to happen when the lights are on and he has to face Michael Parsons or he has to face the Eagles defense that had 70 sacks on the year? That's what I think is going to be so interesting. This is like the first that, you know, forget even like good uh, or forgetting even like, like a better than, than average defense. He is facing a great defense this week and he has an opportunity in front of him where he can shut up a lot of people. And, and you can make the case that this will be the toughest defense he would face. Even if he gets all the way to the Super Bowl. this would be the toughest defense that he would face. Now, um, if he does it this week, man, a lot of my questions I have about Purdy are going to be answered. I think a lot of people have already made up their minds about Purdy, but I think this guy, from what he's shown so far, again, not great defenses he's gone up against, and, and that's the bugaboo with him, but he has he had a big opportunity to, to silence a lot of people this week, and we'll see what happens. Um, as we move to the uh, Sunday games, I want to talk Bengals here. Joe Mixon and T. Higgins, those two players, combined for fewer than 20% ownership. Uh, in the world famous FFPC playoff challenge, one was like they're both like nine and change, nine percent and change. Now, do you think those numbers hold up again this weekend with you know Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? And and if you do, I mean, sort of how do you handle that if you're submitting a, multiple divisional lineups? Uh, do you have to get in some mixing? Do you have to get in some Higgins? All right, I'm going to preface this with a funny story. Oh, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so last year we were out in the Super Bowl for my company fan up. And uh, we were out there with, with the winners of our, our flex contest. Part of the prize pool was uh, two VIP trips to the Super Bowl. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And I remember looking over at Peyton Tubray, who's our social uh, ambassador, and she's just phenomenal. I think over 500 million views on TikTok and IG in the past 10 months. Top five NFL influencer on TikTok. So shout out to Peyton. But uh, I look at her. It's the last play of the game. And I have the leaderboard open one hand. And I'm using her phone to kind of take video of this last play. And she has an extra phone too. So we're all taking video and having a great time. But, you know, I see Jalen Ramsey go to press coverage uh, on Jamar Chase. I say, please stay impressed. Do not let Jamar Chase catch this ball. So I look over and I say, if Jamar Chase doesn't catch us, I finish in second place. But if he catches us, I'm going to drop maybe to fifth or sixth place. And there's a precipitous drop off in the payouts, right? So Mm -hmm. we all know that. Um, and then it's just bragging rights too, where it's like, oh, I finished in second place. Oh, I finished in fifth. Right. But, um, Jalen Ramsey backed off. He played a 10 yard cushion, obviously burrow in the most meaningless stat padding <laughs> opportunity you'll ever see in a game in the Super Bowl. dumps a two yard slant to Jamar chase. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Jamar breaks Ramsey's pathetic excuse of a tackle attempt. And then he gains 22 yards. And I remember refreshing the screen and I went from second place to fifth place. So, I have a little bone to pick with Jamar Chase. Uh, yeah. A lot of cool points with me. But on the Bengals side, I always go contrarian. Even in that contest, I had Mixon. And, I, you know, Mixon had a great Super Bowl. Uh, I was hoping he had a couple more dump-offs to him. And, yeah, Peyton saying, let's go. And, obviously, she's from LSU. And Jamar Chase is a big LSU guy. And that's exactly what Peyton said to me. She's like, well, I want Jamar to catch his ball. He's from LSU. I want At least there's a Bayou Bengal, right? At least there was a Bayou Bengal. <laughs> exactly. So I um, you know, I was a little disappointed. And I said to myself, I'm not carrying Jamar Chase on any of my contests next year. But I had him on my best FFPC team. Um, you know, where I had actually no, it was my second best team. The best team I had, I had and for football guys, I had Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Christian Watson, and one other huge receiver I'm forgetting. So it was like Tyreek Hill. So it was four oh, receivers wow. that were just, I just went down the line, first, second, third, fourth pick were all receivers, and it just worked out perfectly for me. And you got Watson late, so you had five yeah, studs. Yeah, Watson late too, so it was awesome. But that team's name was Vecna. Shout out to Stranger Things. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't manage that team properly in the FBG, and I know I'm digressing a little bit. But uh, if I That's started Prescott okay. over Justin Fields and I started Ramondre Stevenson when he was iffy against Las Vegas, uh, where I think he had close to about 29 points, mm-hmm. I would have finished definitely in the top five in the contest. So I kicked myself because I'm like, ah, oh. I started Justin Fields over Dak Prescott and I started 
Kenneth Walker over Ramondre Stevenson um, and Cam Akers before he had that huge game the next week. Um, so anyway, but yeah, I think Mixon and Higgins, I think that percentage should kind of equal out with Jamar and Joe Burrow. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell what's going to happen against Buffalo, but I do think that, you know, with that pass rush and down three offensive linemen, Burrow is not going to have the time or the comfort to kind of stay back and pick apart a secondary that is kind of banged up, but they're getting some, some players back. I know Hyde is coming back, so it should be a huge boost for Buffalo. Um, so I would go a mix in and, and hope that, you know, the last couple matchups uh, have been favorable in terms of him having over under four and a half receptions um, per game. So I'm hoping maybe Mixon gets five to six catches for, 30 yards and maybe he gets something going in the run game. Again, that offensive line is banged up. So you don't know how it's going to affect Mixon as well. Generally rushing is a little bit easier when you're missing starters across the offensive line rather than pass blocking. And maybe that'll be the game plan for Cincinnati. Let's pound the ball with Mixon and Pirine and keep Josh Allen off the field. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to go blow for blow with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense right now. Um, I'm looking at the bills here and there were 10 total bills that were owned. Yeah. in the FFPC playoff challenge. Now, 10, that's a lot, but really there was two of them that were heavily owned. And in fact, if you combine Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs ownership percentages, I think it comes out to be like 95%. So the other 5%, I mean, everybody was, was so few owned, you know, besides those two players. Um, how strong of a case can you make for another bill? Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, James Cook, Gabe Davis, who we were talking about before. How strong of a case can you make for any one of those guys as a bill that you would put in instead of Josh Allen or instead of Stephon Diggs to be contrarian? Yeah, I love what Dawson Knox is doing, and I know he's had a really rough season, especially with the passing of his younger brother. Um, so I've always been rooting for him all season. I'm so glad that it's been five games in a row that he's caught a touchdown pass. Uh, I'm hoping it's six this week against Cincinnati. All the best for, for Dawson Knox and his family. But, you know, when you look across the table, and again, you see Stephon Diggs is just a dominant receiver. I think he kind of was able to take off that second half, and, and Allen was able to spread the ball uh, to Shakir, to Beasley, to Gabe Davis, as you mentioned, and, and playoff Gabe is no joke. Um, so if I'm looking to move away from Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and own shares of other bills, it's probably not going to be Singletary or Cook. Uh, the contrarian play obviously would be Gabe Davis, who just lit up the Kansas City secondary last year. Again, we talked about it. Eight catches, 201 yards, four touchdowns. That will never be replicated in this fantasy contest. I don't care who the receivers are. Nobody's catching four touchdowns. Uh, in a divisional round or an AFC championship game again uh, for this contest. But yeah, I mean, I probably will own a couple shares of Gabe Davis. I think whoever had him on their roster last year, it was a no brainer that automatically were in the top two. Um, so Davis is definitely someone to consider, but then also you want Allen in the Super Bowl. If Buffalo, if you're projecting Buffalo to beat Cincinnati this week and finally get past KC, I mean, who better to have in the Super Bowl than Josh Allen as your quarterback who can do it all on the ground, through the air, whatever it might be, um, against a high-scoring team like the Philadelphia Eagles or San Francisco 49ers. So I would say ownership should be around, at least from my perspective, for my teams I'm going to do in the divisional contest. I'm going to say about, you know, from a Buffalo Bills side, it's going to be 90% um, Josh Allen, probably 7%. Stefan Diggs, and then I'll do 3% Gabe Davis. I'll make sure to have at least two teams of Gabe Davis on there. You know, what's what's crazy about that Gabe Davis performance last year, and while you're talking, I looked it up. Gabe Davis scored, first of all, he didn't, 
with 30, with 40 seconds, let's say 40 seconds to go in the first half, he didn't have any touchdowns. He didn't have anything. He caught, he caught his first touchdown with 37 seconds to go in the second quarter. He got his second touchdown with a minute 56 to go in the third. And he caught his final two touchdowns, minute 54 to go in the fourth, and 13 seconds to go in the fourth. All four of those touchdowns were within the last two minutes of, of every quarter, which is pretty crazy. And that third quarter, I know, is not as big as second and fourth. But, man, that was a nuts, uh, absolutely nuts game that we saw. And, and, man, I hope we see it again. But I think you're right, too, because you're looking – you know, it's kind of like DFS in a manner like, of speaking is you're trying to look for these spike weeks and who has the best spike week potential on the Bills that's not Allen or Diggs. It's Gabe Davis, and we've already seen him do it. Yep, for sure. And, um, again – I think this contest is so heavily predicated on you sticking to your guns, you know, drawing a, drawing a line in the sand, whatever proverbial phrase you want to use. But you got to make your predictions and stay true to them. Um, I definitely think it's going to be Bills versus Eagles in the Super Bowl, uh, and I'm staying with that. So I'll split Josh Allen across teams, some with Diggs, obviously when I have Jalen Hurts on the other side as well. Um, I uh, I want to get to the to the only game we haven't talked about, and that's Dallas and San Francisco uh, at Levi Stadium on Sunday evening. Tony Pollard was owned in under 15% of playoff challenge rosters last weekend. CD lamb was owned just a shade under 60. Do you think that gets closer at all? Or is CD lamb still the, the, the chalk play, the guy who's going to be owned by the most or the cowboy that's going to be owned by the most players in the divisional playoff as well, Paige. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. And I, I'm struggling with this one as well on both sides, Dallas and San Francisco, you know, who are the players I really want to lock into who are the players I want to avoid. You know, we look at what Dallas was able to do against Tampa Bay, just an abysmal secondary, abysmal defense all across the board. And really, you know, Dak had all day to throw. There was no pass rush. Uh, he was able to throw deep crosses to CeeDee Lamb. I know San Francisco, their cornerbacks leave a lot on the table. Um, and I know Afonga's, you know, up and coming safety and he makes some big plays, but he also, uh, you know, regresses and, and has some younger player plays as well from the safety position where he kind of misreads and misdiagnoses things. So, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for CD lamb deep. Um, but my gut is telling me that San Francisco's pass rush is going to get home against Dak specifically Bosa. Um, and I don't know if, if, you know, CD lamb is the right Dallas Cowboy to own in this contest. When I look at this and I think, you know, Dallas is probably on their way out. I would project that San Francisco is going to beat them somewhere around 24 to 20. It'll be a really tight game. I'm going to stick with the guy that was super hot this past week in Tampa Bay, and I'm going to stick with Schultz. Mm -hmm. um, I think Pollard is explosive. He's amazing. I mean, Memphis, how many incredible running backs? Tony Pollard, Darrell Henderson, um, Antonio Gibson, Kenneth Gainwell and the Eagles. But you know, Pollard is definitely someone you look at and just looks like he's shot out of a cannon. His acceleration is just completely different than anyone in the league right now, maybe aside from Travis Etienne and DeAndre Swift. But, you know, when you look at Pollard, you kind of want him to get more involved in the pass game. But Dak has taken more shots downfield with Michael Gallup, T.Y. Hilton, Noah Brown, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, and a slew of their other rookie tight ends with funny names. Uh, but, you know, like, I would say if Pollard could get involved in the pass game, I would feel a lot more comfortable selecting him, uh, perhaps over CeeDee Lamb. Uh, but for this game specifically, I'm leaning heavily towards Dalton Schultz. And, and that makes sense. I mean, what what happens if, if Prescott doesn't have time to get the ball downfield to Lamb? He's going to check it down to Schultz. And even when he had time, 
he was still getting the ball to Schultz early and often in that game against Tampa on Monday night too. So I think there's a lot to like about Schultz. He's one of the many tight ends that I think is going to make this contest so compelling. Um, when you, when you look at all the great, um, uh, you know, players at that position in this, that could have big weeks, it's going to make this very, very interesting as we go forward. Um, Christian McCaffrey was by far and away. I got to look at this again. I think, so I said at the, at the top of the show, that Travis Kelsey was um, the most owned player um, or the third most owned player in this contest. Number one was indeed Christian McCaffrey owned in 77% of them, um, which is crazy. But now, and, and I guess it's crazy too, Tage, because it's like, you know, they have options on this team with Samuel and Ayuk and Purdy and Kittle. Like there's other options that you could go with. Is McCaffrey too big of a player for you guys to get off of um, uh, for choosing your 49er? Or is there a nice pivot here that you think could pay dividends for FFPC players that don't pick McCaffrey? Yeah, I think you got to look long and hard at Debo Samuel. Um, I know he's coming off that injury, and there was some skepticism whether he was going to be full speed and, and back to his you know, original form earlier in the season. But, you know, I've seen enough with the diversity of where they put him in the slot. They put him in the jet sweep motion. They put him in the backfield. They line him up everywhere, and he's always in a favorable matchup. I mean, if you have Debo Samuel versus anyone's slot corner, specifically Dallas Cowboys, Debo is going to eat on those crosses, on those screens, on those jet sweeps, even getting the ball in the backfield. He's going to break some major plays against that Dallas defense. I think Debo is the ultimate, um, you know, you know, the player to watch in this matchup. I think he's the guy that's going to change the entire outlook of this game. Um, CMC is great, but I got to think Dallas is prepared for him. And Dallas is a very fast defense. Michael Parsons and that entire team is just really built on speed rather than physicality on the defensive side. So I think there are ways that they can kind of corral and, and contain CMC. But it's also going to be uh, interesting to see if Shanahan involves CMC more in the pass game. Um, Purdy really hasn't had to check in down to him much. Uh, or they haven't had to line up CMC in the slot uh, to run his patent slants. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the game planning is, you know, against Dallas is and how they can kind of exploit Dallas's defense in their banged up secondary. Um, and their inexperienced linebacker core, aside from Parsons just being a pass rush nightmare. Um, so I'm I'm a little concerned about CMC. I'm I'm staying as far away from Purdy as possible, just basically based, you know, what we mentioned earlier. I don't think he's faced any like top five top 10 defense yet um you know he's beaten up on teams like the commanders the seahawks three times the tampa bay bucks uh when brady just got trounced in san francisco that's just to name a few poor defensive teams he's played against um so I'm, my money is going to be split between debo and cmc here i'm not going with kittle um and uh i, I think this is going to be interesting to see purdy how he does against this pass rush and then even myself projecting San Francisco to get past Dallas, he's got to come all the way to Philadelphia, make the cross-country trip, play in a very hostile environment, play in the cold, play in different elements. He's barely 6'1". I think he's like six foot and a half. They list him as 6'1". He's probably around 205 pounds, 210 pounds max. He makes a lot of gadget plays, scrambling, backyard plays, not really a system guy. Um, I'm interested to see what he's going to do against a pass rusher like some Michael Parsons, Dallas, and then that insane Philadelphia Eagles defensive line as well, um, which I don't think he's going to get past. I have the Eagles beating the Niners in the NFC Championship game. I um, I was just looking at um, Brock Purdy this year and who he's played. I mean, 
as far as defenses go, um, and I think I'm looking at yeah, I'm looking at the right one. Um, as far as defenses go, um, Arizona, Las Vegas. You mentioned Washington and Seattle. Peters, um, Anders. Like- yeah. So so the Buccaneers. I mean, I would say was like an average defense. Um, and the thing, maybe in a, maybe even a little above average. But the thing is, with there, like Tampa didn't put up any kind of a fight offensively. So you know, it was easy for Purdy just sixteen to 21, 185, two touchdowns. Yeah, it's not great, but he didn't have to do much that game. Um, and then the only other one I could think of where where he actually had um, he was going up against a tough defense. And I wouldn't even say Miami's a top defense, but twenty five to thirty seven, two hundred ten yards, two touchdowns, and a pick in that game. Sacked mm-hmm. three times. So, the, did you? He hasn't. Have, he, has. hasn't <laughs> he has. He has not gone up against even a good defense yet. No, no. He's That's gone up I mean. against two averages and some poor ones. Right, and then you know, being able to beat up on Seattle again for the third time in the last like six weeks. Right. That, that's an it's a it's a layup for him um, to be able to play a team like that, build his confidence. But you know, I, I will say that he's been impressive. Some of his throws surprise me. He puts the ball on the rope. I think last week when he rolled out and he pump fake, got a defender in the air, and then rolled out to the right sideline. And as soon as the quarterback rolls out, you have to know as a defender entire third of the field has been cut off he can only go this way it's not he's going to throw across his body right Mm -hmm. but he threw a dart to brandon Ayuk in the back of the end zone and Ayuk dropped that but i kind of looked at the throw and i was like huh maybe there is something to this guy you know he's got a strong arm he's mobile he's got a lot of energy but then again he could be someone that's just a flash in the pan like a one-year guy that just lights it up and and you know everyone's thinking oh he's gonna you know he's gonna replace trey lance who they put so much draft equity into but we have to see who this guy is, and he's really going to get tested now against Dallas. And if they get past Dallas, then Philadelphia uh, awaits him, hopefully, in the NFC Championship game as long as Philadelphia gets past the Giants. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So I will not have any shares of Purdy. I'm not believing that he's going to get past both of these teams. Um, but right. CMC and Debo. And I'll lean more towards Debo because I think the matchups are a little bit more favorable for him to get involved. The other thing I wanted to mention with the Niners that you said, um, you're staying away from Kittle. Is that because the other options in San Francisco are better, or is is your is your uncertainty in Purdy's ability to be able to do this over the course of the playoffs causing you to say maybe I need to take a step back and just fade Kittle completely? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both, and I don't think Purdy's going to have all day to throw the ball anymore. You know, mm-hmm. he's not again; he's not playing Seattle, right? He's going against Parsons and Dallas's pass rush, and then if he gets past that. He's going against, you know, Josh Sweat. He's going against Hargrave. He's going against Hassan Reddick, who led the league in sacks and pressures. I mean, he's going against some monsters. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams. That entire defensive line is just stacked for the Eagles. So how much time will Purdy really have, you know, and and what what impact is Kittle going to make? Whereas CMC, you know, he's going to get volume. They're going to try to pound the ball, keep the Eagles offense or keep Dallas's offense off the field, really control the time of possession. If CMC is running well behind that line and Dallas or Philadelphia are unable to stop him, then yeah, CMC is 100% the right pick. Um, but, you know, it could be it's Debo gets a lot of big carries as well. I think he's going to be right around maybe four to five carries mixed in with Elijah Mitchell getting four or five carries as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Debo is a home run hitter uh, or CMC is. So I think a lot of people's challenge, their contest entries are going to be make or break uh, with who they pick with Dallas and San Francisco. That game's the hardest game to project. I still think it's going to be 24-20, 24-21 
uh, San Francisco, just because they're at home. Some of the elements, I do think Purdy, you know, Purdy's got so much swag, so much confidence right now. Right. Shanahan, I think, is a better coach um, than McCarthy. And I think Dak is, you know, susceptible to making mistakes if we, as we've seen this year. He's been a turnover machine. Now, against Tampa Bay, he had a career day with five touchdowns, no turnovers, looked phenomenal. But again, Dak's not going to have that much time to throw the ball. And they're not going to be running deep crosses against San Francisco where he's got six, seven seconds to hit CD Lamb wide open across the right. line. So uh, it's we'll a good point. It's a good point. And, and it's, it's, it's going to be a fun way to wrap up uh, the divisional playoff weekend for yeah. sure with Dallas and San Francisco. I want to get to your final question here, but I'm going to add one more. Uh, and I can't believe I didn't put this in there. You know, you and Herschel have had so much success with these playoff challenges. I mean, you won it all in 2015, 2016. Um, I mentioned you were fifth place last year. I know you've had a top, a, a ton of top 10 finishes. Um, what, what do you think is, is the reason that you guys have had so much success in this yeah. concept. I mean, certainly you can't say, ah, oh, you know, Balky, we, we, we just got lucky a bunch of years. No, that's not it. There's something there. What are you, what do you think you're doing differently as you assemble these lineups than, than a lot of the other people who are in this competition? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think Herschel is a genius, um, you know, and I, I've known that since the moment I met the guy He's really intelligent. We both love math. We both love crunching numbers. We're hardcore fantasy players and fans and, look across every statistic you can imagine and really try to understand matchups, what the offensive line strengths are, kind of how coaches could game plan, who are the best players, uh, you know, we project round by round and who's going to have the most points. But when it comes down to it, there's so many permutations and so many combinations of different players that first you got to have enough skin in the game. Um, mm -hmm. I think for this contest, the last round, we got 30 teams. That's, that's a good chunk of teams where we can kind of space things out and again, have a combination like Debo and DK Metcalf on the same team, which probably a lot of players, unfortunately, if they were doing less than 10 teams, really didn't have the opportunity to do that because no one was thinking that DK Metcalf was going to go off for 35 points, um, but just a tremendous game by him. So first and foremost, I think you have to have enough skin in the game. Second, I think you have to do your research. You really have to understand the matchups. You have to look at you know, trends, and then you have to start coming up with ways where, okay, if you're projecting, you know, a couple teams advance, then you have to look for the next round as well. Like, who do you want off of this team, right? You're obviously going to lose players as you advance, but you want to make sure that the players you maintain are the flex players. And in an ideal world, you want to nail that defense and kicker and make sure mm -hmm. those are the two uh, players or slash teams that you are not carrying into the next round. Um, so Herschel and I were able to do that. I think we had Miami uh, defense on a few teams, which was surprising uh, against the Bills. Uh, and then we had, I think the one area we kind of looked at, we thought the Jags would lose to the Chargers. And we were looking great for, what, three quarters? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. The most epic collapse I've seen in a long time um, by the Chargers. But, you know, we had Patterson on a few teams thinking that, you know, he could have multitude or, you know, we probably made like, you know, two, three kicks in that mm -hmm. game. Uh, he didn't do that great. Uh, but we did nail it a couple other places as well um, in terms of like Tucker being the kicker and Miami defense again. So I think that's what you have to look at. You have to look at your projections. You have to kind of map out who are all the players that you could potentially pick from each team. And then you have to look at, okay, according to my projections, who's going to get eliminated and who can I actually say to myself, like if I'm projecting Dallas to beat Tampa Bay, well, obviously I, I don't want, any Tampa Bay player to carry over unless we want to take a shout on a Godwin or someone like that. 
So Tampa Bay was in a lot of our kicker and defensive areas as well because we didn't think that they were going to beat Dallas. So um, I think a lot of goes into it, but in the end of the day, I do believe that it's ending up making as many combinations and unique combinations. And as you mentioned earlier, kind of having that contrarian flair as well to pick against some of the big name players. Um, Jamar Chase had a good game against Baltimore. Really no one on that offense went off. Burrow didn't have a great game. Mixon didn't have a good game. Higgins was okay. Hayden Hurst was okay. Um, but, you know, if you look at Chase and Higgins and the splits between those two um, since their careers have started, they're, they're fairly close. And uh, obviously Chase is going to draw the number one cornerback, so that's no slight to Chase. Uh, he'll draw a double team a lot when Higgins can just do what Devontae Smith does, right, with A.J. Brown. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's critical. You really have to understand where to go against the grain. Now, Debo was completely against the grain from CMC, Purdy, and Kittle. Uh, and even Brandon Ayuk. Um, but I think, you know, understanding matchups and then projecting those matchups and kind of fooling around with the combinations and seeing, okay, if my prediction, if my predictions come true, here's who I'm going to have in the Super Bowl. Ideally, you would love a wide receiver tight end. You would love a quarterback tight end combination or a quarterback wide receiver combination. So that's something else you have to put into the mix. You don't want to get to the Super Bowl and be like, ah, uh, you know, I got, I got the kicker of the Super Bowl team, right? So you got to understand that and then just figure out um, what you're comfortable rolling with. I think the other thing that just came across my mind when you're mapping out your bracket, right? Mm -hmm. That you have to look at, okay, if this happens, then, so like you look in the opening round, Seattle was bad against slot receivers all year. Debo Samuel played a lot of his matchups in the slot or a lot of his snaps in the slot which made sense that he would go off in a game like that. He should go off in a game like that. But then when you go out to the next round, you have to kind of be looking, okay, so if San Francisco beats Seattle, then they will probably get, or, or you know, it, we'll, we'll see who they get. They ended up getting Dallas. Um, and, and now I have to make my decision based on um, which Niner and which Cowboy I'm taking, not just with the Cowboys and Buccaneers game, not just with the Niners and the Seahawks game, I got to look at it from the standpoint of a Cowboys 49ers game as well. And that's got to go into this as well when you guys are making these calls. 100% goes into the equation. So when you start predicting what the matchups are going to be, you want to break down the 30 teams and say, okay, of these 30 teams, how many am I projecting for the Super Bowl? So right. if we do like 10 of the teams to be Eagles versus Bills, then we have to come up with the other uh, combinations and permutations as well. Like, Hey, okay, the next, next, let's predict it'll be the 49ers versus the Bills. Next, let's predict it'll be the Chiefs versus the Eagles and the Chiefs versus the 49ers. So you go down the entire list and then you start to break it down even further each round. So as you just mentioned, the divisional round, uh, I had a really strong inkling that the New York Giants were going to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Giants obviously weren't a hot team going into the playoffs. What were they? Something like four, six, and one in their last yeah. 11. Um, so, or three, three, six, and one in their last 10. Uh, so definitely not a hot team, but Minnesota was, you know, unfortunately they were pretty fraudulent, right? Specifically on defense. And you're not going to win unless you have a solid defense in the playoffs. Um, so I knew New York would get by and then I was hoping New York would come to Philadelphia. And then we knew, okay, it's either, it's going to be the winner of Dallas or Tampa Bay that plays San Francisco. So we projected Dallas and of those matchups, we say, okay, let's go with out of these 10, just for easy numbers, let's predict that. San Fran's going to advance six times out of 10. So we'll split that 6-4 and we'll have, you know, more heavily favored Dallas Cowboys players advancing 
in four other teams versus San Francisco advancing in six other combinations. So that 100% goes into the equation. You have to map out the players and you also have to map out the matchups and then predict round by round and kind of split it based off how many teams you have. Uh, final question. I think we've tackled part of this already. Yeah. Um, a, a sleeper player you want to get on your playoff challenge rosters for the divisional round and a player who think a lot of people are going to roster that you are not comfortable with, that you think it's a mistake. You kind of already said you like Dallas Goddard, right, as a sleeper. I mean, look what TJ Hawkinson did against New York, right? Goddard mm -hmm. is going to go off. He's fully healthy. Um, Hertz is going to be working the middle of that field. Uh, he's probably not going to take a chance over the top unless AJB has you know, step on a few of those corners over in New York. But I think uh, Dallas Goddard is a very favorable matchup if you predict uh, either Dallas or San Francisco coming to Philadelphia. If it's San Francisco, 100% Dallas Goddard versus Wagner is a good matchup for the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Wagner is an incredible uh, linebacker. Um, that still favors the Eagles because there's so many things that the Eagles do in the middle of the field with A.J. Brown running those crosses and Devontae Smith running the deep crosses as well. I think Goddard's going to have a lot of open looks in the seams. Um, so Goddard is my sleeper. Um, I can't wait to get him on some of the rosters and those three tight end sets that you mentioned uh, with Schultz and Kelsey. I think that's going to be just awesome points racking up there. And then I would say the player that I want to stay away from, and I'm not picking on the guy because I am rooting for him. I like him. Obviously, I won't be rooting for him in the NFC Championship game, but it's Brock Purdy. I just I think the hype is just too – it's gone way out of hand. And, and when that happens, I kind of, you know, look at it and I just say, eh, I'm not buying into the hype. Um, mm -hmm. again, smaller corner quarterback hasn't really played against defenses that are going to give him pressure that have solid cornerbacks, solid linebackers across the board. Hasn't really played against that great of coaching, to be honest with you. So I'm interested to see what adjustments people like McCarthy make um, Sirianni, if they're already game planning to play San Francisco, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the different pass rushes, the different containment that they keep him in instead of him rolling out. He gets a lot of his big plays off play action. Uh, his play action boots have been just awesome to Ayuk and Debo and Kittle. Uh, but let's see. I, uh, I'm not going to roster him on any of my teams um, for the divisional round. So I would say that's the player I'm staying away from. Last thing I want to get to. Um, you, I, I want you to share the fan up results. Yeah, because a gentleman who I think a lot of FFPC, a lot of people who play in the FFPC, a lot of people who have, have watched this show, have watched the high stakes fantasy football or uh, much like you, Tage, this guy uh, who, who cleaned up is no stranger to this show as well. No stranger to high stakes fantasy football this year as well. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Abib. Um, you know, him and I did a main event team this year. We finished in first place in the regular season. Kind of got too banged up for the playoffs. Um, other main event team I did uh, with my buddy Dan, who's also a physician. So maybe there's something to physicians in fantasy football. Maybe these guys are just like on the side, just studying nonstop fantasy, and they're already intelligent. But now Dan and I went 11 and one, and we won that main event league, which was awesome. We dominated that. But yeah, Beeb is just incredible, and and Fan Up has been a wonderful ride. You know, Fan Up is fandom and it's the best way to play and enjoy fantasy sports, pop culture, and esports contests and parlays uh, with friends and rival fans who love to squat up and be part of the best fan community. I mentioned earlier, Peyton's just been doing an incredible job across social with over 500 million views on TikTok and IG. And you know what we've been able to accomplish in 2022 was just amazing. We hit a lot of big milestones. And one of the big things is our flex contest. So the flex contest is a lot of fun. 
It's a season long, but it blends DFS and season long together. So instead of rocking with the same exact roster or having waivers or any long depth bench roster spots where you leave like the best player on the bench, it just blows mm-hmm. up. Um, you pick uh, seven players, six players, quarterback, you know, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and then the flex position. The flex position will get you one and a half points. Um, but you get to pick different rosters each week. You can, of course, rock with the same one and copy that roster week over week. But you can stack them however you like. There's no stipulations about you know salary caps or anything like that. So it's really it's leveled the playing field. And we absolutely love it because you can make a contest entry in 20 seconds. It's a lot of fun. There's weekly prizes. And the overall prize structure was very competitive this year. It was $1.2 million overall in prize pool. And uh, Abib just crushed it. I mean, you've got second place, you got fifth place, sixth place, seventh place, multiple other uh, cash spots as well. And I think Abib, uh, sorry for sorry for putting this out there, but yeah, Abib racked in like 350k uh, in this contest. And I know he's won 500k last year and the year before in the FPG contest. So this guy is just crushing it, man. Like 1.35 million, and that's just not even counting his other winnings in FPG or main event. Uh, the past couple of seasons, but. And and you know what else is crazy? And I pointed this out to, I think, Kamish Bryce and I were talking about this. Yeah. Um, he's got his first and 15 podcast that he does. Yeah. His co-host uh, on there. And I hey. want to say. Is, yeah, yeah. Who, Dale. Who is Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Also a physician as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and fifth place overall in yeah. the Football Guys Players Championship this year. Yeah. I, I mean, those guys are as locked in, as locked in as you and Herschel are to these yes. challenges. <laughs> they are as locked into that football guys. And obviously fan up as well, like just crushing yeah. it. Uh, the, They're the major, years, major yeah. competition and they've just been awesome to to have in the app and, and to interact with on FFPC. I, I love doing teams with the Beeb. Uh, I never have to worry kind of about waivers. He kind of runs a show on that. Uh, I take the back seat and say, yeah, let's, let's do whatever you want. I'll chime in <laughs> occasionally like, Hey, I think we should pick up this guy. And he'll be like, yeah, I was going to get him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's awesome. Fun to draft with really intelligent, just a great guy. Um, you know, couldn't, couldn't happen to a better person. I think yeah. be, and I'm excited to keep uh, rolling with that guy. And uh, I'm really happy to see how well he did uh, in this contest. But what was funny to see is as, as seasoned as Abib is and as much of a high stakes champion as he is, he lost to kind of like a, a novice player. So that's really cool about the contest that it levels a playing field and yeah. everyone wins. So i um, excited to see Scott. Shout out to Scott who ended up winning the championship this year in the $500,000 prize pool along with two VIP trips to the Super Bowl. But I know him and Abib will be gunning for the top spot next year too. So excited about that. Uh, I was excited to have you on this divisional playoff challenge preview as, as I usually am uh, with all the content that, that you bring. Uh, certainly appreciate it. We will continue to follow you on Twitter at trophies underscore uh, uh, TB, right? I got that right. Yep, yeah. trophies okay. underscore TB. Yep. Got it. Um, and uh, listen, good luck to you and Herschel this year, man, in the playoff challenge. We'll yep. see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and best of luck to you. I really appreciate you carving out some time on your Tuesday for me. Thanks, Balky. Anytime, man. Have a great rest of the uh, week and uh, look forward to seeing the playoffs. You got it. Thanks, Tage. Yep. Appreciate awesome. you. Yep. All right. Uh, Tejas Bodewala, ladies and gentlemen, the 2015-2016 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge overall winner, along with his partner, Herschel Sheth, and uh, the fifth-place finisher in the world-famous Playoff Challenge last year. You heard a lot of good nuggets from him going forward on the divisional playoff as well, so make sure you take those to heart. Make sure you are signing up with this advice 
MyFFPC.com is where to go for both the FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 and the Football Guys Playoff Challenge 2. Both of those contests uh, will lock Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time before uh, that uh, Jaguars-Chiefs game. Um, you can win $100,000 in the FFPC Playoff Challenge 2. You can win $25,000 in the Football Guys Playoff Challenge 2, and that's only a $35 entry fee as well. So make sure you're signing up there, myffpc.com. The other great thing that you can do there, obviously, is click on the Dynasty team. So you'll get a full list of all the Dynasty orphans that are out there right now. You can shop around, see what uh, see which ones you want to pick up and ride to dominance in 2023. That's all available, again, myffpc.com as well. Now, um, I do want to get... Uh, a, a couple of housekeeping notes out of the way before we sign off tonight. Number one, thanks to Tejas Badawala. Really appreciate him coming on. Number two, this is going to be our last regular season show, as I say that in quotes for you, uh, anybody listening on the audio stream. Um, we will now switch to our off-season format where we will go the first Tuesday of every month um, until uh, the start of the 2023 NFL season when we will go back to a weekly format for this show. So coming up, uh, we won't have shows in the next couple of weeks, but that first uh, Tuesday in February, we will be back on with our monthly shows. Just want to get that out of the way. Make sure you're signing up for MyFFPC.com Playoff Challenge uh, 2 for both the FFPC and the Football Guys Playoff Challenge, MyFFPC.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the divisional playoffs, and I appreciate you watching the stream. We will be back in February. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. <laughs>